Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. Christmas is coming up as well as New Year's Eve. It is exciting. I hope you all get everything that you ever wished for and desired. Amen to that. I have watched many videos out there uh, with Jews and Muslims, and one of the biggest arguments that they use is that it's not logical to state that God would come down to the earth in human flesh. Basically, the argument goes like this. God doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to do something that is unnecessary. Why would God take upon a physical form in order to be crucified and also interact with the human race when he has millions of different infinite ways of being able to communicate with the human race? There's been non-believers out there who've asked similar questions like that as well. They say, if God has all this power, then why doesn't he just forgive? Why doesn't he just, why all the fireworks, all the excitement and all this? And it's a valid question. I have nothing but respect for Jews as well as Muslims, but I do realize there's a lot of Jews out there who are still waiting for the second coming. They're still waiting for the Messiah to make his return. They don't believe that Jesus Christ actually um, had anything to do with it. They see him as a prophet. They see him as a great teacher, but they don't see him as divinity or divine. And it's very strange because before I make my argument, I want to say I find it unusual that the Muslims would have such a hard time with this because in their very own book, the Quran, they believe that Jesus is going to return. They believe in the whole apocalypse, end of the world, and they actually believe that Jesus Christ is the one that's going to lead the army of the saints and the prophets to pick them up whenever the world ends. They don't really get into the whole wording or labels such as rapture like Christians do. But they do believe that righteousness and justice will come from God. And of course, they refer to God as Allah. But Allah just simply means God anyway in their language. What a lot of Christians may not know, whom have never read the Quran, is that a great deal of the book has a lot of the same stories as the Old Testament you're going to find most of the prophets. You'll find the story of Adam and Eve. You'll find the story uh, that is mentioned in the New Testament about the Virgin Mary. You're going to find the story of Moses. Um, there are some interactions that happen with Moses that are not in the Bible, such as an instance where Moses is actually struck with lightning and killed for a moment temporarily until God actually resurrects Moses. That's not in the original Old Testament Bible, but the Quran has that story for those out there who may not have read it. Some of you out there, whether you're Christian or Jewish or not, um, if you haven't taken the time to read the Quran, you probably should. It's, um, it's an interesting, I look at it, I, whenever I read a holy book outside the Bible or I study up in another religion, I don't get offended or bothered 
In fact, I'm, I feel like it enhances my perception and my view because what you're doing is you're listening and paying attention to someone else's perspective in their walk with God. And whether you call yourself Muslim, Jew, or Christian, I believe that we all have our own unique walk with God. When God says he wants a personal relationship with us, I believe every personal relationship God has with us is custom tailor made. That we're not two Christians are going to walk the same walk. Not two Muslims are going to walk the same walk. Same with Jews. I think you're all going to be at a different level and point in your understanding and your uh, presentation with God. But let me explain to the Jews and the Muslims why it is that the argument that um, the idea of God coming down as flesh is ridiculous. I've actually heard Jews use this word. It's ridiculous to believe that God would come down as a finite man who has vulnerabilities and would allow himself to be crucified. That's their belief. And the Muslims, they have a story of crucifixion, but they don't believe it was Jesus Christ that was actually crucified. And they still argue, just as the Jews do, that it just doesn't make any sense to them. It floors them. It, it surprises them, the idea that anybody would hold to the concept. Muslims find themselves constantly arguing, along with Jews, about concepts such as the Trinity. Now, I can easily refute the argument on why it's necessary and also why it is that Jesus Christ is God and why he, um, it's very possible for him to do this. In fact, it's 100% possible why God would be motivated and intend on doing that. Now, if the Muslims and the Jews could be so kind, and you would roll back into the Old Testament, we were just mentioning Moses. If you remember, Moses had many conversations with God. That's very clear in the Quran as well as the Old Testament and the Torah. So, there's a point in the Bible where God speaks from the sky, and he speaks through visions, and he also allows himself to be physically seen from a side angle by Moses. But there's something that for some reason a lot of people end up forgetting, even though this is taught to children in Sunday school. How many of you remember the story of the, the burning bush, where Moses comes up in the burning bush and God manifests himself as a physical representation of a bush. Did God need to do that in order to communicate with Moses? No, he did not. Was it necessary for him to make himself into a, a blazing bush who could carry on a conversation with Moses? No, he did not. Why did he do it? According to the Bible, it was his intent and his motivation for whatever reason that this was the physical presentation that he would give himself, the embodiment, in order to speak a message to Moses. Now, if we remember God according to the Bible, whether you believe in the New Testament or Old Testament, God tells us that his time is different than our own. To come down as a man 
would be like mere seconds to him, a human life is nothing more than a blink of an eye. It's more, it's like a second in the universe for uh, the perspective of an entity, an omniscient, powerful, superior entity such as God. But here you have it in the Old Testament, and it's not just a burning bush. There's several times where God will speak through animals. There's God speaking through many different uh, ways. God also sends physical manifestations of men, angels looking like actual men in order to deliver his messages for him. So yeah, I don't understand at this point when you know this, when you know that God has taken on all these different physical natures and he's also used external prophets as well as angels whenever that uh, technically if you think about it, isn't necessary since God has the power to do everything without anybody's help or requirement. To say that God wouldn't do that because it's not necessary is like saying, well, because God's so powerful, then it wouldn't make sense for him to send an angel or a messenger or talk through an animal. Do you see what I mean? So I feel like um, at this point, not to offend the Muslims or the Jews on this, um, I feel like you've been absolutely refuted in this argument. You've been destroyed in this intellectual argument. And I think the best thing to do now is to reconsider and reflect to yourself what it is, really ponder what your position and what your belief in God actually is. Because for all these years, for the Jews out there and Muslims who've denied the nature and divinity of Jesus Christ, you're basically saying that a great deal of these books just don't make sense to you. It's nothing more than a circle inside of a square or vice versa. Now that I've given you this full-on information that you know all too well, these are old ancient stories where God does this. There's no reason to continue to hold the idea that it's stupid or ridiculous to believe that God is capable and will do things. Whether you think that it's right or wrong or think it's necessary doesn't matter. God's going to do things the way he wants to. It's God's universe. God is going to conduct his universe the way he sees fit. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all have a blessed day. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. So, my, uh, uh, so being a Muslim, as you can uh, already mentioned, uh, my main problem is uh, with the Christian doctrine of Godhood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, my, my uh, there are a couple of questions that are related. Uh, first of all, I find uh, this concept uh, logically fallacious. Uh, like there are many aspects to its logical fallacy as in maybe uh, uh, one of them could be that how can God be finite and then infinite at the same time like this is like it's like saying that there could exist a square circle it's it's a logical fallacy right so uh, uh, when we say that Jesus was God or son of God we are actually saying that God existed in finitude during the life of Jesus and he also is infinite at the same time. This is uh, logically fallacious. 
Now, because you are uh, like you're coming from a historical standpoint. Did you want me to respond to that, or are you? Uh, it's a relate. Um, uh, uh, like the same question. Continuing. So, because you're coming at it from a historical standpoint, um, another thing that adds, like the historical evidence that adds, uh, like that supports this argument, is that the concept of Trinity, the word Trinity itself, it doesn't appear as a theological term till near the end of the second century after Jesus. So uh, it was first used by, as trias by Theophilus, the bishop of Antioch in AD 180. So uh, we can, uh, and like adding up to that, when you refer to Mark chapter 14, verse 62, which is uh, what you say is the proof that Jesus claimed to be God, um, are you really applying the same criteria of objectivity that you were applying previously to the Quran? when uh, interpreting this as meaning that Jesus is claiming himself to be God? Because if you like, look at it completely objectively, uh, looking at the entire text, like, there is nothing in the entire text that's, that's saying that Jesus claimed to be God. And in fact, the verse that you yourself quote is actually saying son of man. So, I mean, These I, are I, th questions. I think you get to, um, yeah. Don't go anywhere. What's your name? Uh, Munzer. Munzer, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Pakistan. Pakistan. Um, I had the exact same questions when I, was, uh, when, I, when I practiced Islam. What I want to point out is that first and foremost, what we have to see is what Jesus claimed for himself. Now, the secondary stuff that follows, the theological unfolding or unpacking of what he said, we can spend years and years debating what it means. But what did he say about himself? That's the first thing we want to look at. So again, that's a historical perspective. Theologians argue all day long, back and forth, back and forth. You know, theologians argue all the time, and I just sit back and watch and smile because you can't really prove it one way or another. But when it comes to historical events, we can show with relative degrees of certainty, if the evidence is good, if the records are good, what the most likely conclusion is. So first, and um, let me give you an answer before, if you feel like interjecting, we can talk afterwards. First, I want to point out you are absolutely right. The term Trinity is not used till the end of the second century. What is the doctrine of God called in the Quran? In Islam, what is the doctrine of God called? Uh, Tawheed. Is that in the Quran? Uh, I mean, no, the word Tawheed. The word Tawheed is a derived word from Ahad. Alhamdulillah, good. So you understand the word Tawheed is not itself in the Quran. In the same way, the word Trinity is not itself in the Bible. This doesn't pose a problem. The Shahada is not found in the Quran. You have the components of the Shahada in the Quran, but uh, you do not, hold on, you do not have La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah in that way found in the Quran. The component, uh, hold on. The components are found in the Quran. With the Trinity, the components are found in the Bible. So, uh, the word Tawheed does appear in the Hadith. Oh, that's great, is, but it's not in the Quran. Narrations of the prophet. And the, and the Hadith is much later. So we're looking at the, you asked for the Bible, and we have within the early canonical tradition, people calling a God a trinity in the early canonical tradition. In fact, much closer to Jesus' time than the Hadith were to Muhammad's time. So it, whichever way you stack it, when you're consistent, you end up with a stronger case for the trinity, for Jesus' deity. Now I want to continue on to your next part of your question which is, is Jesus finite or infinite? The argument is that Jesus is, you know, actually I'm gonna pose it in a slightly different way. Can Allah come onto this world if he wants? Can he be in this world if he wants? 
Uh, I, I wouldn't think so. You wouldn't because, think so. So, you, so Allah's omnipotence is limited. He can't come onto this world. It's it's like basically you, Allah Taala cannot do a logically fallacious thing. Like He cannot create a square circle, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's that's something logically. But fallacious. how do we so know that's what this is? That Allah, Allah but, how, but how do we know that's what this is? Because, for example, in Surah Al Imran, when Allah is talking to Moses. It says in Surah Al-Imran, I think it's Surah Al-Imran, it might be Surah 18, but double check, um, that Allah, as he spoke to Moses, Allah was in the bush. Allah was in the bush. So if you want to say that meant something else, well, you're going to have to argue with the Quran on that one. It seems to be pretty clear that Allah can emanate his voice from a physical place. He can be in a physical place in a sense. In the same way, we don't believe, I don't believe that God coming to this earth limits his omnipotence. It's not a limitation of his omnipotence. Jesus has taken on flesh. God the Father is still everywhere. God, Jesus, the Son, is here on this earth. It's a limitation in that sense, but it's not a limitation of his nature. He is both the divine and human nature. That's the argument. Now, I want to uh, talk about briefly, and then we're going to have to go to the next question, but let's talk afterwards for sure. You asked about the Son of Man. You said he's not calling himself the Son of God. He's calling himself the Son of Man. I'm emphasizing to you, my friend, when this hit me, again, while I was practicing Islam, when this hit me, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. The claim Son of God, according to Jews at that time, was not anything divine. Adam was called the Son of God. Solomon was called the Son of God. In the Psalms, it says, you are gods. It's not a divine claim to call someone a son of God. But when someone refers to that son of man coming on the clouds of heaven, who's going to receive glory, authority, and sovereign power, and people of every nation and language are going to worship him with the worship due only to God, that son of man is more than just a human. He is divine. He's going to be worshipped by all people of all time. So when Jesus calls himself the son of man, he's not, it's not the son of God title. And lots of Christians get this wrong, so I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at you. Lots of Christians say, oh, son of man means he's human, and son of God means he's God. No, it's the other way around. In the Jewish context, son of God was a normal human title. Son of man, from Daniel 7, that was something divine. Go back and read Daniel chapter 7. See that this man is worshipped by all people from all eternity. This man, or one who looks like a human anyway, is worshipped by all people alongside of God the Father. That's the one Jesus is claiming to be. Definitely understand that point that I'm trying to make. And so when you see that Jesus' claim is found there in Mark 14, 62, it's found in all the Gospels. And every time Jesus uses the term Son of Man, he's alluding to that. You cannot extract that from the Gospels. So please put Mark 14, 62 next to Daniel chapter 7 and see what Jesus is claiming for himself. And we'll talk afterwards for the rest. Lord bless you, my friend. We'll take one last question.